Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. From the glow of St. Paul's number one, welcome to another edition of Cabin Country. Give us the time and we'll take you out of the traffic and away from the levee. Let's find the place where the loons call out among the moonlit waves, where the wind sighs among the Norway pines. Let's get to Cabin Country. Pull up a dock chair, have a sip of your coffee, and get a line in the water. Now here's Bjorn Lloydstead, and I'm Fudd Klugman with another Woodland Escape. Good to be back on Cabin Country. I am Bjorn Lloydstead. And I'm Fudd Klugman. We're glad to be joined by you again tonight as we see the leaves slowly starting to change their color. Slowly. Although there's always some early ones and we're thinking, already? It's oh, only September. But... Ready. Not officially fall yet, but I will uh, will not lie to you, Fudd. Uh, traditionally, I love to see the end of winter. Snow is gone. The mud has started to solid up a little bit. Uh, drive back into the cabin. That's all good. But I, I think my favorite season has always been fall. Oh, yes. Mine, too. I can't really uh, attune as to why, but uh, colder air, no more humidity. Our good friends, the mosquitoes, have taken themselves out of the picture. I shouldn't say this. <laughs> the weather has taken them out of the picture. We're not worried about it so much anymore. That's right. Wood ticks long gone. We can put on the boots and the long pants and stroll through the woods a little bit, see what's out there. Even the poison ivy's turning red. It's real easy to see. Easier to avoid, for sure. Without a doubt. And uh, not always a fun thing to stumble into, but fall coming. And uh, cabin country is a particularly fabulous place to be as the autumn hits. Water's still open. Docks are still out. People are starting to think about taking out that boat, maybe setting up the, the motor for the winter or if you got an inboard you're running all the fluids out whatever but uh, that's not for a while yet you can still enjoy the water and uh, the boats are fewer days are shorter but it's awfully nice to start a fire in the fire ring and uh, put on a jacket and filling your coffee mug I love it seems a little more welcome the mornings hit and you can see your breath. That, there's something about it. It's just outstanding. And that time is nigh upon us again, Fudd. We are we are there. It's close. It's always wonderful. Well, and what comes to mind, for me at least, is this is that time of year where we head up north or head down south or head out west or wherever you're going, but this is the time where maybe you'll hear a little less early morning motors taken off 
to hit those great fishing spots and perhaps a few more reports of say a 12 gauge 16 gauge 20 gauge people are out looking for birds at this point the waterfowl yes you'll you'll see them in flight high in the air and small groups they look like they're fleeing flying for their lives perhaps fleeing for their lives depending on the time and who's got the gun in hand that's right and the good news is uh, deer season traditionally hasn't really started yet so when you go outside you don't have to be totally bedecked in blaze orange that's right we get to wait till the early November for when gun season starts so we're kind of thinking tonight maybe something we'll look at is uh, cabin country and stories past we do tend to idle down memory lane quite a bit on the show that's kind of the the theme i guess and and maybe cabin country as sort of the start for the hunting expedition i know i got my start you know uh gun hunting in cabin country it would it would carry over into uh, cornfields later um but predominantly you know i equated going up taking the dock out if you got up early enough, you started hearing those guns going off and the flights coming over. I'm just kind of curious, Fudd. How did it how did it uh, equate for you? What what was going on with you guys? Say duck season rolled around. I know your dad was was big into into duck hunting. Maybe you could tell us a thing or two about that. Yeah, it was uh, up at the up at my gramps uh, gramps's shack. We kind of shared it with an uncle of mine and a friend of theirs and. And, uh, yeah, around October, I remember my dad, uh, wait, he thought we'd had to be 12 before we could carry a shotgun and shoot it. Actually, I think the first year we just carried it. That was the big thing with my friends. Like, uh, did you get to carry a loaded gun this year? Carry the gun. The first year you kind of just carry the gun and the second year you get to load it. and, And some started early. But for me, it was twelve or thirteen. But uh, I still remember. Right. I still remember the October night. Uh, it was just my dad and I. I had three younger brothers, and but it was my turn to be inducted into the world of hunting, duck hunting world. And we would st- stood out in the dock the night before, and my dad pointed out various galaxies that he knew of, and oh, that was kind of fun. And but yeah, it was duck hunting and waking up really early uh, in the dark. And where we were situated, we were going to not boat up the river or down the river to a spot. We were going to drive down a back road for a, about a mile and a half and get to this back bay that you kind of had to portage into or drive to, park your car, and just take off your duck boat. In our case, it was the my dad's homemade duck the boat, homemade which duck boat. I, I referred to before. Absolutely. Fiberglass. You bet. Plywood. And his old decoys, a lot of them plastic, some of them styrofoam, and I remember playing with those ever since I was old enough to, well, crawl. Know, crawl. What, they, know what they were, yeah. No Had my my dad's, uh, I think it was a Falks, like, cedar wood duck call that I would blow into. We got old home movies of that. Just blowing as loud as I could at these decoy ducks in our living room at the house. <laughs> and my parents Getting thought that was cute, of course. Oh, no, that's right. That's right. And uh, then having to wait 12 years or, or so until this this morning. So this you're waking the, up this early. This was the day. This was it. It was going to was gonna be the all the excitement. And I'll tell you, that's it's all about the anticipation. 
Because when it comes right down to it, waking up at 4.30 in the morning, you're cold, maybe grab an Oreo cookie, and my dad had some weak coffee that he made, and and we headed out, and it was dark, and as a little kid, I'm thinking, oh, this it's kind of creepy out here, and it's cold. What, <laughs> what, well, okay, then we're going to get in the water in the, in the dark here. And Tall reeds, can't see anything. Got the canvas bag full of decoys and the, the guns. Of course, my first time out, I had a 410, which is the smallest gauge, I you think. say that's the shotgun equivalent of a BB gun. Uh, pretty it? much. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like you've got, hard. A, you've got a better chance of hitting something. It's almost like a pencil-thin shotgun shell. Wow. You know? Wow. And I uh, have a little story about how effective this 410 was in a minute, but uh, <laughs> that's what I got to hold, and so we climbed in my dad's homemade boat and rowed out in the, in the cold October Dark. morning, and it was thrilling, though. I mean, I guess that's what it was. It's, it's like, you, you didn't anticipate that, you know? Usually when you're looking at those pictures on calendars and thermometers and old hunting posters, you know, it's sunny and bright and and it just looks all fun and romantic. Uh, Everybody's in their red and black flannel. Right, right. The Elmer Fudd hat. And so that's great, but uh, when you're cold in the morning and everything is damp and the guns have uh, dew on them, you know, and it's like, I, I really like this, right? Yeah, this is that's what I've been waiting <laughs> this for This is what I life. signed up for, 12 years of waiting. But, um, well, what happens, though, in the end is that you, you look back on it with great memories. I mean, at the time... Some of it is kind of uh, uncomfortable, but but no, it was fun. We just rode out to this little island in this uh, this little bay, this back bay, and um, we 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 sat there and and sat and uh, really didn't see anything. We had the decoys and um, stay quiet. Stay yeah, stay quiet. And my dad would wait for an opportunity and hot, like set up our shooting zones. Like uh, all right. Uh, now, you look at the sky like it's a clock. So if you see some ducks flying and say over there is uh, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and so on. And so if you see something, you say, I see some ducks coming at about 11 o'clock. And so then we would both look there and be quiet and wait for them to approach and see if they fly into your decoys. Well, and of course, nothing ever flew in. In fact, all that all that I ended up seeing were some coots. You know, coots. just the... The Galanul, I'm probably not saying that right. And I think it's almost the equivalent in our part of the country of the perch. <laughs> you just don't really want them. If you catch it, I don't think they're good eating. Uh, they're just not worth your time. Well, after a long day of not seeing anything but our floating plastic and styrofoam decoys in the water and watching the sun come up and getting cold feet, also, the Johnny Johnny hand warmer, you know, the little liquid butane filled uh, fire yeah. up. It was before the convenient little packets that you unwrap and stick in your mittens. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, smelling the the fuel, the hand warmer fluid, and that. Anyways, after a long morning, getting hungry, one or two more Oreos, and a sip of my dad's sweet coffee, I asked, I I couldn't wait any longer. Dad, the, the, the coots are right there. Can I take a shot at one? Well, I I don't know. I. It's just not worth. I and mean, then we'd have to. What do we do with it when we're done? I, well, I don't know. It's just nothing's coming. I just can I shoot something? And, well, okay. So he, he let me. And I, I took aim, and you know we're just about uh, fifteen feet off shore, <laughs> and there it is, just floating around. And I'm quietly sneaking up, 
and I aimed the little pencil-thin muzzled uh, 410. 410. Yes, indeed. And <laughs> shoot, and I saw some flapping, and I missed. I mean, <laughs> even my dad said, well, I saw the splash all around it. I think the spread must have hit it, but nope. I didn't even get the coot 15 feet away with just the 410. Just out of curiosity, what did the coot do at that point? I It just... it kind of flapped around and it like sort of took off. I don't even think it flew away. It just sort of skidded across Swam the Swam away. Said, uh, well, if you're going to be that way, right. I'm going to I'm going to take off. I may return and serve you papers. This is ridiculous. So that was uh, the first uh, the first trip out was very impressionable and uh, I've probably gone about three or four more times after that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I made a short career of it. Uh, Boom! Oh, well, thank you, Buck Fielding, for that startling reminder that it's sponsor time once again. So hang in there, and when we come back, Bjorn will tell a story or two about his early days out on the field. So we'll be back with more Cabin Country right after this. Up Nordco presents Cabin Country Aromatherapy Products. The workday is long and challenging. You're giving the best you've got. Effort, creativity, concentration. The hours pass. The tasks continue. A moment of serenity would put you right back into peak productivity. And what would bring you to that moment's peace? The aromas of those places you love to spend time in. The aromas of cabin country. You finish those financial reports for the training department? Why not light a cabin country eggs and bacon candle? Suddenly, your office cubicle is the kitchen and the fishing shack. Are you at the office or sitting down to a hay baler's breakfast before a full day's fishing? You've gotten all those mileage reports filled and the dollars accounted for. How about spraying some July Back Bay Room Spray? Suddenly, the third floor of your office complex has morphed into a blue water shoreline north of Pelican Rapids. With summer warmth and gentle breezes and just a hint of the midsummer dog day funk. It wouldn't be summer without it. Getting tired of the smell of antifreeze, dirty oil, and hot brake pads in the mechanics bay? Light a stick of Deerstalker incense and travel back to your last hunt. Deerstalker takes you out of the daily drone of the workplace and back into the stand, the deer shack, or out walking the drive. Light a stick of fresh earth acorn if the office is getting stale. Now the fourth floor accounting department smells just like Uncle Herb's freshly plowed back 40. I'll bet an eight point buck is eating acorns behind the copy machine. Neighbor in the next cube having stomach trouble? Light a cone of Deerstalker dough urine. Deerstalker dough will override anything your neighbors might create. The showroom smelling like the manager's Chinese takeout? Burn a stick of Deerstalker's bear bait blueberry pie. Kung Pao replaced by warm pie on the farm kitchen window. Now all you need is a fresh cup of coffee. Deerstalker aromatherapy products. Change your perspective and find your inner bliss. Even at work. Anyways, how about yourself? You said it started in cabin country, so what was it your did. prey? It the- did. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, you started with a 410. I started with an actual 22. 
Whoa, 22. I had a 22 long rifle. Uh, I've mentioned on a previous episode uh, my neighbor who they didn't have kids and he bequeathed to me, among other things, multiple tackle boxes. We went over the contents of those on a previous episode and talked mm-hmm. about the various and sundry lures from yesteryear, uh, most of them really well maintained. Um, but I also came upon a 22 long rifle um, and a Mossberg bolt action 16 gauge shotgun. And uh, my dad's contribution to that was sort of a, well, that was nice of the neighbor, and I bought you a case for each of these guns. And I think he saw, you know, the futility of me being a fisherman. Well, maybe we'll try hunting. You can try that. I heard all the hunting stories from from the neighbor and my dad sitting around the table on Sundays drinking coffee and eating whatever sugary treats uh, came on the table and... I thought, yeah, that sounds sounds good. I like the sound of that. I, I grew up the same way, FUD. I was looking at my dad's Field and Stream magazines, and everybody looked warm, contented, well-fed, and camaraderie, and the sun was shining, and, you know, ducks in, in motion or pheasants rising up out of the cornfields. And uh, I, <laughs> Having gone out then a few times, I always thought... Where's the mud that's just sticking to your boots? Where where are the corn stalks and the and the bulrushes that are you know three feet over your head? I was twelve or thirteen myself. You know I'd passed gun safety mm-hmm. in the beautiful town of Hugo, Minnesota, and we went out to one of the gun clubs and did our test, our field test, and passed it. So that was all good. My dad decided, yep, you've got this twenty-two, and here we are at our cabin, and it was fall this time of year. Most of the neighbors were long gone you know it wasn't hot and you didn't you didn't have neighbors uh, all splayed out on their docks and various modes of undress covered in tan lotion and all this kind of stuff and boats coming by and guys wolf whistling and all that that, that was all gone it was just us and the the year rounders down the road most of whom were retirees mm. uh some of whom were also out in the woods with a 12 gauge walking around they were looking for grouse uh. And uh, my dad and I, he was just, let's get your feet wet here. Let's, ironically enough, in dry woods, let's go out and walk the woods. There was a huge swamp on one side that featured a permanent beaver dam. There was always a group of beaver living in there. Uh, Some of the biggest raccoons I've ever seen in my life. Um, But he said, well, we'll walk. And if we flush up anything, you got your 22. There's nobody out here. Nothing to worry about. It's got a range of one mile. I don't think we're going to accidentally <laughs> bag anything on two legs. So it's uh, it should be good. And we'll just take a walk. And and so that was my initial hunting trip was uh, the woods behind the cabin, kind of in this scrubland. You know, like I said, on the left, if we kept going, was that big swamp. Dead ahead was my old favorite. It used to be the dump. For this fishing resort my cabin was part of what had been a fishing resort and, and back in the day they just haul the trash out into the wood and they i guess brought out a skid loader or something once upon a time dug a big hole my favorite place to look for old beer cans i was a beer uh-huh. can collector so i oh, knew yes. that as like hey this is a place to find those rusted out old schmidt city club cone tops and the old hams cans with the the key you know church key punches in the top before they even had the pull tabs and all that kind of stuff uh-huh. This is the best. Well, it also turned into my first hunting ground. 
Mm. And I'm walking along with my dad, and I've got a 22 in hand, and I've got the safety on, of course. I've passed the safety. I understand it. Very uneven ground. A lot of oak trees, a lot of maple trees, a lot of scrub, a lot of brambles and, and uh, you know, raspberry bush and all kinds of canes. And the leaves are starting to come down. And uh, the, the rich comedy here, for those who hunt and those who understand the North Woods a little bit, a woodcock got up in front of me. <laughs> now, if you know anything about woodcock, it's sort of like trying to shoot a bat. <laughs> I mean, they fly in the most unorthodox pattern of anything I have ever seen. If you raise them, I mean, usually they stay on the ground. Yeah. And they got those long, narrow bills that they dig around for worms and, like, eyes uh, side on the of their... sides of their heads. I mean, they're just mutant-looking <laughs> birds. What is this thing? You know? The timber doodle, the nickname. <laughs> But this thing got up, and it's doing this bizarre airborne war dance. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Dad. And he said, well, take the safety off and draw a bead. And I know in the back of his mind, he was an avid hunter. And he's mm-hmm. like, I got nothing to worry about. This kid isn't going to hit this thing. And and I, you know, not to ruin a story here, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't hit this thing. But it got up, and it was zipping and zapping. And I was all over the place, and it looked like it flew straight up in the air and dive-bombed and went left. And I aimed with a twenty-two rifle <laughs> and fired once, bolt action, fired again, bolt action, fired again, and then it landed, and I just I heard it scurrying off into the underbrush. And my dad looked at me and said, well, good job. All right. Good. Put it back on safe. Let's keep walking. We didn't see anything else. <laughs> you know, several chipmunks. Wow. And I won't lie, I was tempted, you know. Oh, yeah. The cute little woodland chipmunk, I thought. <laughs> dad, can I just shoot one of them right out of the trees? No, no, no. That's not what you're here for. Right. And, uh, you know, that was that was kind of it. We finished our walk. And later on, it was I, I, it dawned on me how totally ridiculous that was. Like, I'm going to try to hit a woodcock with with no spray pattern, just a ball, you know, one bullet. 22. A 22 bullet. And, uh, yeah, ludicrous. I Later on, I think we went back to the old... Uh, the old kind of dump and found some old pop cans, beer cans, and just set them up on a log, and I got to practice my marksmanship, you know. But that was my initial initial hunting trip, and from there it kind of turned into let's graduate to the 16-gauge, mm-hmm. you know. Hit, uh, I think at the time it was probably, where would we have gone? Maybe uh, Zayer Shopper City? I don't know, Gem Store over off 61 by... Mm-hmm. Keller Golf Course. And I don't know if they even sold. Maybe that's totally bogus. I don't know, but I remember I got you a box of 16 gauge shells, and we're headed out. You know, now we're looking for roughed grouse. Roughed grouse, and we did walk a lot, and we didn't see a thing. And so I got the thrill of, well, there's a big oak tree. Let's test your pattern. Go ahead and aim and take a shot. And let's see what you know. We have to. We have to modify your your muzzle choke. Let's let's see what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Nope, looks good. You got a nice round pattern there. You're fine. All right, let's go back to the cabin. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And uh, I've later learned. In fact, Fud, you and I walking around some of the back bays, just looking. You know, you had a camera, and I was just sticking my nose and things, walking around the backwoods of uh, the Gull River. Mm-hmm. At one point, I remember you and I accidentally flushed a grouse oh yeah uh stepped on a borderline stepped on the thing and it exploded yeah. out of cover and i almost exploded <laughs> in the seat of my pants I was yeah. like, my goodness that was for real i was a pretty good sized bird and yes. boom, you know, they wait until you're right on top of them and then boom and they just burst out of cover and 
when you finally get your senses back, they're they're gone. But <laughs> for what it's worth, I'll say this much, and any apologies to those vegans out there who might be listening, but the grouse is a fine-tasting bird. Mouth-watering. Never tried it. Oh, it's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. And uh, so that's... That's been on my been on my mind as of late. I thought, by gosh, if there is there's something out to add to that. Um, my family has spent summers. You know, you heard my tearjerker story of losing the cabin. I think you even <laughs> called me on it a few episodes back. Are you done, Bjorn? Oh, fine, <laughs> cabin. <clears throat> but we morphed that into now heading up to a, a group camp kind of cabin up in Ely on a big lake called Burnside. And uh, every time we're up there. Every time we're up there, I see the rough grouses, let's just say, thicker in the head, cousin, the spruce grouse. Oh. And they are running all over the paths. And uh, they kind of look like a rough grouse, um, but not the brightest bird. Not the brightest bird at all. Um, my cousin, whom with I later did a fair piece of pheasant hunting. Not so much in cabin country, but definitely in, in farm kind of hunting country. Mm-hmm. You know, where you get permission and you go out and you walk what feels like... When you're 14, it feels like you walked about 17 miles right. um, of corn rows and, and sloughs. But, uh, you know, the rough grouse is a very beautiful bird. Big mm-hmm. tail display, the whole bit. The spruce grouse, not so much. Uh, stays in the, in the undergrowth, but uh, they're, they're really thick in the head. And uh, they'll just... They'll, They'll fly up and st- sit on a on a uh, you know a pine tree branch and just stare at you. <laughs> and I remember him telling me at one point, "I've hunted spruce grouse with rocks. <laughs> I've hit them with rocks, and they've dropped like a ro- yeah, like oh a my rock." Gosh. Wow! And he said, "That's that's all well and good." And he's an avid hunter. Mm. Whatever you kill, you eat. You know, uh. if you if you're going to kill it, you, you eat it. And uh, he said, right. "I won't lie to you. It." it Tastes about as good as as a bird that eats pine needles might taste. <laughs> it's very. <laughs> they they cooked flambéed equivalent of a bird bathed in turpentine. Uh, but he'd eat it. He said, "I killed it. I ate it." You know, but uh, not in a big hurry to do that again anytime soon. It's intermission time. Don, you are fantastic, and thank you for the heads up. Now, ladies and gentlemen, a word from our sponsor. The sun is slowly rising. There's frost on the panes. The cackle from a flight of geese can be heard as they rise high above an October lakefront. The leaves have changed to orange and crimson. It's time to brew a pot of Laughing Goose Dark Roast. Mitt's Coffee has offered premium roasts of world-class coffee to the upper Midwest for years. And as cold weather changes the tint of the Northwoods, Mitt's offers you Laughing Goose Blend Dark Roast. A coffee that will shake the cobwebs loose and lift you into your day's events. Laughing Goose is the perfect mix of strength and taste, like the mighty bird that gave it its name. There is no problem or challenge you can't soar over after three or four mugs of Laughing Goose. The strong, rich flavor of a dark roast, with the smooth drinkability of a medium blend. Strong, hot, straight from the pot. What more could you ask for on a crisp autumn morning? And of course, Mitt's still offers its full range of coffee blends, including Morning Dove Early Morning Blend for those who need a milder start to the day. Yodeling Loon Espresso, our strongest blend for a potent cup. And Whistling Wood Duck Medium Roast, for those who like to keep a full pot on all day long. Laughing Goose is yet another of the flavorful coffees offered by Mitt's House of Fine Roasting. 
Mitt's Coffee, the brew that flew with the great Northwest. You certainly have this well stocked. Yeah. Delicious radio, steamed or grilled batteries. Lots of Holstein. That's right. How about a fire extinguisher? Yeah. Mouth-watering. Now back to Bjorn Lloydstead and Fudd Klugman on Cabin Country. I remember, you know, we'd take the dock out, and if we got the early start because Dad was in a hurry to get home, while you're taking that dock out, you're hearing that distant kind of boom. You know, oh, yeah, the boom, f- boom, and there's the guns are they're going off. They're looking for ducks. And I, I, I have to defer to you on that, Fudd. I don't know much about duck hunting um, or the flavor of duck. I've had it a couple times. I've found it to be a little greasy, frankly. I don't know, a little wild, a little, little gamey. Yeah, it is gamey. I would describe it as dry, at least the way I had it. It was very dry, kind of a darker brown color when it was cooked, and just very dry and sort of, yeah, how do you describe that gamey flavor? Not at all like chicken, really. More of a livery kind of metallic flavor. Maybe not in texture, but uh, yeah. yeah. And of course, then there was the fun of pulling out a few of the lead shot Oh, yeah. Of, of course, it was kind of fun. It was like a treasure hunt. Yeah. Ooh, I got hey, one. I got one. And you drop it on the plate. Clink. But, of course, now uh, I think it's all steel shot. Yeah. Now, Lead it? shot is, is basically outlawed, I think, at this point. Because of the damage, it will, you know, you hit a bird and it survives. Yeah. Or, you know, um, somehow. I'm not sure. Every time I've seen a bird fall, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. they, they caught the spray and they're down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the idea, too, of your sending lead shot into uh you know wetlands and it's getting down into the water you're just trying to avoid all that um, mm-hmm. getting into you know it'll degrade like anything and you don't want extra lead going into the, the watershed and and right uh, any of the fish or any of the you know the birds that might feed on those fish or anything along those lines even the even you know sucked up into the the plants and a lot of the ducks that i think hunters are often going after tend to be Kind of more uh, weed eaters, you know, uh, kind of the vegetarian style. If, if a duck or or a goose has a heavy animal diet, it it, it equates to kind of a fishier flavor, kind of, mm. a, and, and yeah. not to quote my good friends at the the Golden Little Books series who put out those field guides, mm-hmm. the game birds, you know. I love the fact that each one of those they they kind of the canvas back, the the pintail, and they go through each, you know. The, characteristics and the weights and what they look like and differences between male and female and at the end it's always not a terribly good table bird <laughs> hunters really enjoy their fine eating well you know a lot of the a lot of the they have a heavy mollusk diet uh, equating a, a fishier flavor not sought after by hunters not, you know, uh, not a famous table bird you know, that kind of thing it's interesting i you know as a as someone who works in education, I get to be on buses a lot. One of the bus drivers we've had is, a, is an avid hunter. Uh-huh. I, every time I'm on that bus, he's like, "You again? Hey, I've, I'm going goose hunting this weekend." And I always ask, you know, what do you do with it? You know, a lot of people talk about the fatty qualities of you know wild geese and what do you do that minerally taste and the fat content and oh gosh, no, 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 no. And the funny thing is, what does he always do? Every time I talk to him about it. Throw it in the oven with a can of cream of mushroom. You know, cream of wildlife right over it. 
all kinds of spices to hide that flavor. And you let it go for about eight hours, and it just falls apart, and it tastes like cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Mouth-watering. But, oh, he talks about, oh, yeah, they, they bag their limit, and they do this big slow-cook weekend, and have a few while they're sitting there by the fire and in the easy chairs. And it kind of sounds like that field and stream approach that oh, I, yeah. I longed for as a kid, but... Uh, yeah. Rightio. Goose, yeah. The goose and the duck hunts. I know there's types that they say you should go after. Like you said, the coot is definitely not something you want to try to try to eat. But I have a good friend of mine who was telling us about the, the snapping turtle and the seven different kinds of meat or whatever. Oh, no. Canvas back, delicious. I eat canvas backs. Pintails, red, redheads, they're all good. Every one of them, good eating. Teal, you know, cinnamon teal, green wing teal. I said, boy, do you find those around Minnesota? Well, you look hard enough, you know. <laughs> go out go out west a little bit, and you'll, you'll find them. And they're all good, all good. Well, I never got to eat enough to compare the flavor, but, of course, the thing is to be able to identify the ducks right. in flight. Right. You know, and we're pretty used to seeing mallards. I mean, right. Oh, absolutely. They're almost like our... State ducks. Suburban pets, you know, they're just all over. You bet. And wood ducks are fairly recognizable, and they have the high-pitched sort of whistling sound. Beautiful plumage. Oh, yes. A showier kind of duck, almost like a pheasant in a way. but A little bit, yeah. But yeah, that was kind of the fun, fun part. And you always wonder, especially in the early, as dawn is rising, and you're uh, trying to half identify a, the duck, you know. I remember my dad, this was on Lake Osakis, and why were we we were keeping warm with the uh like the Lincoln style stove in the cabin he came in he's wearing a sort of a full jumpsuit camo piece and uh and it didn't look like he had any ducks. I thought, oh, I guess he was skunked again, but when he got to the cabin, he unzipped the uh suit and he pulled out this duck turned out to be a widgeon. I don't think he knew what it was, but yeah. he shot it, <laughs> but he shot it, thinking it was a a hen mallard, okay. But uh, he w- felt so bad that, oh, I think I may have shot the wrong bird. And so I snuck it onto the property. <laughs> I never did find out if... Uh, we probably ate it and sure. pulled out lead shot from it. But hey, um, Yes, yes. Going back to the flavor of ducks, uh, I remember being disappointed when uh, right on Tanner's Lake there, there yep. used to be Toby's on the lake. Oh, yes. And I went there... With, I think it was just with my mom. I don't know what the occasion was. And uh, we went there for dinner. It was kind of fancy. And uh, I decided to order duck. Okay. It was the first time at a restaurant that I ordered duck. And strangely enough, it tasted more like kind of a weird sweet chicken. Okay. And uh, But I remember being disappointed. I wanted it to be that wild sort of gamey... Almost livery flavored yes, kind of metallic duck, you know, with the pulling out the little lead pieces of shot. And <laughs> can you take this back, please? It's too fatty. I'd, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather have a gamey piece of duck with dangerous pieces of lead in it. But yes. uh, but yeah. And since then, I I had the fortune to visit China Me-haw. and actually had their Peking duck and a, and talk about fatty and almost cream of mushroom like <laughs> soup that was glazed and fatty. So. You know, I haven't had much crispy. Duck. Of course, I've been to other restaurants where they they go all out, and it's a chef's prepared version of the duck, kind of medium rare, and that was fine. 
But frankly, nothing compares to sitting in that old house and eating what my dad shot with with the lead shot in it. Uh, uh, it was dry, and it, you know, it was <laughs> stuck in the throat. Wasn't that <sighs> kind of remind me of the dry the pork chops we had, except for a completely different flavor? But anyway. So when I think of when I think of eating duck, I think of eating the wild duck, and uh, haven't had it for years. Right. Hey, just a quick aside too. I've got to say now, driving into the studio, it's become quite apparent to me. You mentioned Tanner's Lake. Yes. And not to get off subject a little bit here, but well, if you live in these northern suburbs of of our beautiful capital city of St. Paul, uh, there were years where you drove by that area, Tanner's mm-hmm. Lake, Toby's on the lake, all that good stuff. And right as you came 94. around, there was Tanner's Lake Sport and Center. Oh, yes. It was a boat dealership. And it was always, you could see it from 94, or you could see it from White Bear Avenue. And they had the boat on the roof. And right? it had a red tri-hull on the roof at kind of a jaunty angle, like it was skipping waves, <laughs> flying along. And a sad, a sad testament to the, the march of time. You know, I, I was headed many, many years, headed out this way, the eastern suburbs, northern suburbs, and driving by it. And yes, there it is, the old friend of childhood, the tri-hull. On the roof of Tanner's Lake, Sport and Center, and uh, lo and behold, it's gone. They have permanently closed. So, another chapter of yesteryear. Right. That and Toby's on the lake is long gone. Long gone. Yes. Yes. The red trihull. I hope it's. I hope it's in the water somewhere and not. Uh, right. Not in a landfill. That yeah. would be sad. Somebody's backyard or <laughs> yeah, a planter full of geraniums. Yes. Who knows. <laughs> Thank you, Don. Sure enough, it is time for a word from one of our sponsors. So stay tuned for more Cabin Country after this. GSPN is proud to announce Ironton, Minnesota's 15th annual performance slam, Dragon Fest 2018. Dragon Fest is proud to announce this year's main attraction, Lonnie Angersall and veteran performance artist, Wilbert Bunyan. When I look in your rearview mirror, I see three exact images of yesteryear, and I says to myself, from here to there, it requires a minor adjustment, but from there to here, it just won't. Thank you for filling up at Santa Clara Pub 5. We are waiting for you inside on the red courtesy telephone. I met this woman who was trying to ride her ATB into a veterinarian's parking ramp, which in fact she turned out to be doing. I'm the one who stole your mucklucks. I'm the starter in your sled. Your right foot is three feet deep in a spear hole, and you think, Odd, this isn't my house coat. Perhaps the real answer is 42. Join Angersoll and Bunyan at Dragonfest 2018 along with other performance artists like Sons of the Mustache, The Violently Indifferent, and Ned's Orange Eleven. $20 advance tickets, $25 of day of show. Dragonfest continues to be held in the mystical confines of Crosby Memorial Park. We hope to see you there. 
Just one more morning. And now back to Bjorn Lloydstad and Fudd Fluckers in Cabin Country. Bust out to the back door, baby. Slide through the dogs to Buckle Pie. Well, the ducks. I I will tell you. Um, yeah, I cabin country kind of thing. It kind of morphed for me more with the hunting. Um, you know, like I say, I ended up with a cousin who was advanced past me in age. He was almost old enough to be my dad, and my dad and myself out kind of walking through the cornfields, walking through the sloughs, and uh, sixteen gauge bolt action on my hip and. The safety on, and as far as I know, my sum total hunting experience, multiple trips I went with them, and I, it was sad being 13, 14, and realizing I'm not as tall as these guys. Mm. I can't see over everything. Right. You know, birds flush, they see them, and I see corn husks in front of me. Yes. <laughs> cattails in front of me, and my feet each weigh about 20 pounds with mud just caked on them. <laughs> And I was with, you know, whatever, I'll forego all that if I can get a shot in here at some point. And right. I, I, remember, I don't remember which trip it was. But, uh, yeah, I had my brown jacket on with the, like your dad had his camo with the, mm-hmm. the game pouch. Yes. You know, I had a slit in the back of the jacket. I could stuff all these pheasants in that I was going <laughs> to shoot. My dad had one. My cousin had one. But it just, it was funny. It was, it was growing up. You know, the stories um, about the one show we talked about going to Canada. And not seeing a darn thing after hearing years of stories about these ten foot northern pike just jumping into the boat and mm-hmm. getting there, and it's almost non-existent. <laughs> you know, yes. I go out hunting, and oh man, we're going to be on this guy's farm, and the birds basically dive bomb you. I mean, right. you you got to be you know blind in one eye not to hit these things. You just throw up that gun, and yeah, your your section of the sky, you'll be shooting, and you'll have your you'll have your limit, and blah blah blah. Multiple trips out. I think we saw four birds, <laughs> and I just remember the one, and this is a classic, and, and this, for me, it just, and I've told it a million times, but it's a first on Cabin Country. Uh, bird gets up, I see it, my cousin sees it, my dad sees it, all three guns go up, you know, we're kind of in a line, mm-hmm. so many rows apart, and, you know, it's, the corn has been cut now, the, the farmers cut down the stalks. But I, all three of us, it's almost like a artillery line. We're all boom, boom, boom. My cousin shoots. I shoot. My dad shoots. After the first report, that bird was headed to the ground. Uh-huh. And then I shot. And then my cousin yelling across, good job, buddy. You shot your first pheasant. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, I'm not real good at math, but I saw it fall on the first shot, and I <laughs> shot second. I don't know who you're fooling here. <laughs> uh and then you know that was a story too where it was it was pretty goofy. We we had a with us my one of my cousin's hunting dogs. I don't know if you brought a dog with you and your dad and yourself went out for that early morning duck sit. Not that time, but a, okay. on pheasant trips along yep, railroad trips. We always had a dog, and usually it, it. I mean, the guy was an avid hunter. He hunted every day of his life. When there was a season open, he had a permit, and he was out shooting whatever was out there. But man, that guy never had a dog that knew what the heck it was doing. <laughs> and this thing, oh, that darn dog. He had two dogs out with him that day. And one was just sort of a mutt that had inherited this guy's property. He mm-hmm. showed up. <laughs> and he said, well, it's a mutt, but it seems to have a nose for the field, so maybe it can come along, whatever. 
and pretty soon he shoot it. You get out of here. Go back to the house, whatever. Get out of mm-hmm. here. And the thing wouldn't leave. Mm. My cousin was a pretty salty guy. And, uh, well, the one dog was a springer, I think, and it was having a hard time. Like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. No, I was a young lab. I take that back. It was a black lab. Pretty traditional pheasant hunting dog um, and duck hunting dog. But uh, it was young, and it just didn't get it. And it was running over, you know, corn stalks, knocking things down and all <laughs> yeah. this kind of stuff. Couple stories to go with that. Anyway, it just it wasn't going well, and we shot the bird, and it picked up the bird and took off in the other direction, <laughs> and it took almost half an hour to get the dog to come back. Hey! And by this point, it's a nice drool-covered pheasant, you know, <laughs> kind of a little chewed up, maybe. yeah, well gnawed. Um, but that other dog. <laughs> if you're soft-hearted out there, I apologize, but this thing was just being a a pain in the backside, and it would not go back to the to the home base which wasn't that far away and it kept running and running and running and all over the place and other birds were getting up and leave my and my cousin was and it wasn't his it had sort of arrived at the house and stayed and kept eating the other dog's food and just i'm here now no right. tags no nothing had been around for months well i heard another shot <laughs> and suddenly there was one dog and oh, i dear. was like oh boy my dad just kind of looked at me and said well <laughs> oh no here we are. <laughs> you know, ah. like, are we going to field dress and cook that? <laughs> I, how will that taste? I, can I pull the l- shot out of the pieces of dog? Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that was a rough one. Yeah, some. I like the corn pheasant uh, hunting, and uh, like yourself, I remember walking through tall corn and not being able to see much. And I do remember being impressed with my dad once when there were four of us out hunting. Uh, my brother and I, an uncle and my dad, and uh, the minute I saw a pheasant up, it was down. I just, out of the corner of my eye, I turned my head, and the thing was out. Who was that marksman? Who? Right. And it was my dad. Oh, I was pretty impressed. He with didn't the old waste man any time. No. Got I mean, after, after years of, uh, you know, I grew up with a, in a hunting family, and uh, what you have framed on your walls and magnetized to your refrigerator are pictures of stringers of fish, you know, by the dozens, and pictures of, of your, your uncle and his dad in the old 1954 Ford in the background with dozens, or their limit of birds, pheasants, Absolutely. ducks. Laid out across the trunk. Or... But in my, yeah, exactly. But in my uh, uh, little experience, of course, it, I was just skunked most of the time. So... Uh, after years of of not getting anything, that uh, that one particular trip, seeing the old man down a pheasant before it even got up, you know, they start up vertical, and that's when you right. have to shoot it. Right. Anyways, it was very impressive. Well, pheasants they kind of expl- they kind of up they go, explode up, yeah, out. straight up, and and you got your shot, and maybe one, maybe two people in the party can pop off, and then they they go up and they're fast, and then they're down again. Indeed, it was. Uh, an impressive show up and fast and, and and boy you better be quick they uh they were good eating i just remember that you know i haven't i don't know a lot of hunters at this point that are still out actively hunting or if they are they keep what they bag you know they're not real gung-ho to hey here's a couple pheasants for you you know i, I wish they would <laughs> that's one thing i remember you you with uh, your dad's ducks, you know, it was me with my dad's pheasants and grouse. And you yeah. came home with pheasants and grouse. And the grouse was rare. That was not quite so common. They were very good. I liked pheasants. I've had goose. 
I'm not a massive fan of goose. <laughs> it's just I, I apologize to those that say you don't know what you're. T- you don't know what's good. That was one of my dad's favorite lines. You don't know what's good. I guess I don't, Dad. You're right. I have no idea what's good. Sorry. I know what I like, and this isn't it. You know, but uh, yeah, More he pheasants, was a, Dad. a pheasant guy. I said, please bag your limit. I'll be happy to eat him, without a doubt. Now, not to move into a different direction here, Fud, but your cabin. The Gull River area, it's been more of a, a deer hunter's station, as yes. I understand it. Well, it's got a little bit of everything. It's nice about being on a river, on water. You can you can go duck hunting or deer hunting. And my dad likes to just uh, traipse not more than 100 yards behind the cabin. and Climb a stand? There's kind of a ridge of, of, of a tree line behind. We're talking about, oh, uh, 250 feet from the shoreline. There's a... A ridge that goes along the river, and that sure. seems to be where the the deer travels. So a lot of tracks. It's We've fun seen to, them; they're yeah, all over. And all the the trails and and the droppings and uh, ah yes. So that's uh, during the summer you kind of observe the movement and and then you kind of pick the tree where you're going to set up your stand. I think there are still a few, you know. Uh, old pieces of timber and stands that have been up in years, uh, four years, uh, in some trees, in some select spots. You've climbed a couple, have you not? Yeah, a couple of times. I'll just uh, say, well, hey, nobody's using it. I'll I'll, I'll head on up there. But uh, again, I haven't, uh, you know, my dad, in all his years of deer hunting, he's he's bagged like two. And... uh, and he enjoys hunting, but really it's more about going and sitting in the woods. Right. And, uh, as he liked to say, just uh, watch the woods come alive, you know, and the sun come up and the, the birds and the squirrels landing right on branches just a few feet away, that kind of thing. Sure. And so that's what it is, the thrill, the thrill of that. Because, uh, I mean, if you really love it and you, you get your deer, then you... It's a whole new world of, then, what do you do? You, you might have to track it and follow it if you injure it. Exactly. For miles, and uh, and then once you do get it, you have to... Dispatch it. Gut it, and uh, bring it back, hang it upside down, and then there's all that. So, so uh, again, it's the thrill of suiting up, uh, trying to use the scent blocker and camouflage gear, and I love that. I'm the L.L. Bean catalog hunter, like my grandma. I like <laughs> you to, love the looks. And I like the look and the material, the, 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 the gear. With it. But yeah, it was the, uh, the recurve bow, and it was fun to, how are you going to camel your bow? And I remember putting masking tape on mine and then painting it with some acrylic paints I had. And sure. Putting in my art skills at making it look camouflage. Woodsy. So. And then we'd go and sit on a stand for three hours, get bored, hungry but at the same time you you came back from it like you just went on some kind of a safari yeah it was was satisfying somehow and just great to sit quietly i mean that's the best part when you just have to sit and try to blend in and be invisible i know that's a large part of cabin country in all directions you know that's right those who have the cabins out west you're probably talking to corn farmers grain farmers can i sit can i put up a stand in your field you know, mm-hmm. up north, you're finding a tree. You're, you're scoping out the territory where have they been moving. You know, I had again my dad, a little bit of deer hunter in him, and he had 
a fair amount of success. He was one of these guys where you just shot, you know, an eight-point buck. Outstanding. That meant we were getting, I don't know how many pounds of beef sticks and salami coming <laughs> home. And I thought, you you went to all that to get salami? What? You know, <laughs> and it was good. We ate it. This is wonderful. Boy, that packing plant really knows what to do with venison <laughs> to make it not taste anything like venison. <laughs> you know, if I didn't uh, know any better, I'd say we were eating summer sausage from Cub Foods, you know. Yeah. That has always kind of surprised me. I, I work with all these people. They're avid deer hunters, and they've had a good year, and they bring in all these basically beef sticks. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> what else did you do with it? Well, you're looking at it. You know, you like it or don't you? <laughs> well, sure I do, but I know places that make jerky. You know, it, I, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah! Thank you, Don. That's a great reminder that it is time for some words from our sponsors. However, stay tuned. I'm going to dig deep in the Schmidt Scenic box for that segment people seem to enjoy. Lord knows we like it. The Schmidt Scenic Collection is coming up right after this. We'd like to encourage you to stick around after cabin country each week and slow down a bit. Pick up some of the small town wisdom of today and yesteryear with good old Lloyd. In my grandpa's day up on the Gull River, long before cozy cabins and year-round lake homes were built, small hunting shacks were the only structures allowed on the lots at the time. But before work began on building the shack, there were more immediate construction needs. A solid dock in the water for fishing, and an outhouse for other necessities of life. Gramps just called it the crapper. In spite of its name, it was more of a storage shed, which contained an amazing amount of old stuff Gramps had accumulated during his life as an outdoorsman. There were old lawnmowers and Coleman fuel lanterns, fiberglass fishing rods, metal tackle boxes, and of course, there was the toilet seat in the front corner near the door. Though I knew the hole underneath was dug to only three or four feet, it might as well have been 40 feet down, deep as a mine shaft. And of course, it wasn't the drop as much as what you would be landing in if you happened to fall in. My father laughed and shook his head at my overactive imagination, but I never became comfortable using the crapper. It was filled with fascinating old stuff, but it was dark and dirty and smelly with lots of bugs. And it probably contributed to many stomach aches I had up there, since I delayed the inevitable as long as I possibly could. As the mosquitoes fly On a warm and humid Brainerd night A nervous child walks with his flashlight To the crapper And a far loon cries The door squeaks open and a mouse runs away The boy wishes he'd gone much earlier today To the crapper That's Lloyd! Good old Lloyd. Now it's showtime, folks. And you can be sure it's the best show in town. 
your continued patronage is very, very welcome. Well, welcome back. Uh, I see Bjorn's got the box already. I do. I hope you're ready, folks. Collection. I'll dig deep in the box and let's see what we're going to hear from tonight. It's the mallard. The mallard. A pair of mallards. A drake and a hen. Getting ready to settle in on uh, on, a, on a lake right in front of uh, some some reeds, and there's what look to be either sunset clouds or there's a storm coming. I'm not sure. But I'm gonna guess that's kind of sunset. Sunset yeah. and uh, reach over and grab that from one you. drake and a small harem of hens coming in to rest on the water. Ah, uh, yes. I know you've got some duck hunting tails, bud, and we've. Yeah, we shared... Uh, We've heard well, a couple. We shared uh, at least one of the main ones, the first one, I remember. and uh, Going after the coot with the 410. <laughs> yes. <laughs> missing, missing it, uh, right? <laughs> Which is probably a good thing, you know. Yeah. yeah. wonder what I would have done with it. But yeah, no mallards that day. Um, it's amazing how throughout the rest of the year you see mallards all over the place, ponds and sloughs and just in the sky and in the neighborhood. And then you go and hunt them and they're... I guess that's good, though. They're wary... And they make it more sporting, but um, in my case, I just didn't really see any. But yeah, this was uh, a pair coming in for a landing, and we've got very dry-looking uh, uh, lake weeds, cattails, or something in the in the background. And uh, yeah, it is. I guess it's appropriate this time of year. We're we're in the early bit of October. I haven't I haven't checked the hunting schedule this year, but I, I would imagine duck opener is can't be that far away. I mean, can't be that far away. I, I mean, even couple to the, to the point now, Flood, where we're sitting out back and enjoying the early autumnal evenings, and and the geese are coming over in flights. Oh yes, low. I mean, right over the studio in, in big V's. And, uh, if they're moving south, the ducks can't be far behind. I can't imagine. Yeah, heading uh, to the cabin a couple of weeks ago with the family, um, I saw a couple of duck hunting vessels on trailers heading up, and I thought, it can't be. I mean, because this was end of September, like two weeks, second or third week of, of September. And I thought, well, maybe they're moving it up, you know, leave it up uh, at a spot where they hunt their cabin or something. But, uh, so yeah, it is nigh upon us. Um, I, uh, yeah, I haven't uh, duck hunted <laughs> for years and years, but it's still fun to, you know, I, I kind of got into decoys. I tried carving a, a, a decoy when I was about 12. I was modeling one of my dad's decoys and I, I, I found an old, uh, I think it was a piece of oak. Okay. Very hard to carve. Yeah, I was going to say you went for the yeah. wood equivalent of oh, cement. I, know. Yes. I mean, of course, you. I mean, they make them out of cork or balsa wood or very now we get easy to carve things and plastic. Um, but uh, I, I, I guess I was up for a challenge and I kind of like to carve and I didn't carve the head. I, I could. There was a store called Herders back in the day in the in the early '80s, late '70s, and they, you know, they just sold arbitrary decoy uh, making parts and paints and weights and the strings and everything. So I bought a a Drake Mallard head, and I carved out with pretty good detail. I got some feather definition in the back, nice. tail feathers, absolutely. And I painted it. Um, I think I. 
I don't even know if I used real decoy paint. I probably used some cheap model paint or something. It works, it works. But uh, it turned out okay. And I remember I was in seventh grade, and my one of my teachers, I didn't really like him very much, but he was a duck hunter. So I brought it in to show him. Yes. Look what I did. I think they're pulling my leg. No, I really carved this thing. I was really mad that he didn't believe that he I didn't carved buy it. it. I said, I said, I told you the head, I didn't carve the head, but the body I did. Anyways, I don't know if he was just teasing me or I was a little too sensitive, but um, anyways, I had an avid hunter neighbor who was really impressed by it. Say. Anyways, uh, the story of that decoy, uh, I think it was... What became of the decoy? Well, I I think it ended up at my dad's place and it was even up at the cabin for a while. And then not long ago, as my dad was getting ready for a garage sale at his home here in Oakdale, not too far from mine, I, should, I might add, uh, he said, well, I don't know what you want to do with this, but you want this back? Oh, yeah, well, all right, I guess I... And it was kind of all cracked, and I saw that I had used a lot of wood filler. Ah, yes. And uh, so it ended up uh, being thrown away. Oh. I'm afraid it was just not worth it. Shaw. Um... I'm I'm kind of a I'm kind of a thrower. I get that from my mom. You know, it's like it comes a point where you just don't want to see it anymore. Throw it away. It's gone. I'll probably regret it someday, but eh, I don't I don't think so with this. Uh, but that's my Drake thought, Mallard. Thought about any future Sorry. carving? Have you well toyed with the idea? I know you I painted have, some. Yeah, my last last year, I I, I told my wife I was thinking. Eh, I think think I might uh, I'd like to carve another decoy. And well, she's one of those good listeners when it comes to gifts yes. and uh because last christmas i opened up this box and here's a here's a pintail unpainted it, incredible detail in all the feather work i i kind of had it in my mind that i'd like to maybe go, go from scratch and carve one but hey what the heck so nothing stopping you it was fun Flood, to come paint on. the paint the uh sharpen those pintail. still needs a little tools. work but he is he's been observing our recordings Staring here. down at us you bet <clears throat> so um I, I'm is sure it, I won't throw away. I'll show my naivete here. Pintails generally have a blue bill. Yes, yeah, the, the male has a. I, think, I don't know if the uh, the hen has one, but yeah, a blue bill and kind of a reddish, red almost rusty red head. Head, yeah. And a white breast, skinny and skinny tail, gray and black going back. Of course, all you have to do is click on YouTube, and you'll see hundreds of videos and kids of all ages, people of all ages. Or into the whole decoy thing, and then you walk into a any uh, antique store, of course, and they're selling them. They're selling them for three hundred dollars. Yeah, we got a couple of old, uh, I think, a Drake and a Mallard decoys at the, at the cabin. I'll point them out to you this year. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, my grandpa's old ones that he carved himself. Gramps, you made us happy up there. So, uh, but of course, that's the charm, you know. They're they're all dark and shiny and old-looking and kind of worn. Well, I remember as a kid, my dad trying to get me into hunting and fishing. I ended up getting, as a holiday gift once, this little handheld. Yeah, that was big enough so that you could set it down. I, of course, broke the legs off it immediately, so it became handheld. But it was a it was a little, you know, about the size of, of uh, you know, half a, a game board. But it was a, a pinball machine. Mm-hmm. And little marbles and pull back on the thing and try to get. It was duck hunting. Oh. So the easiest one to get was like a coot, <laughs> you know, for 100 points. But it was a p- 
pintail and there was a mallard and there was a black duck and there was a a redhead that was that was kind of if you really did a bad shot for some reason you always got a redhead it's like what's this dad what's a redhead it's a duck okay <laughs> and then uh and then the canvas back oh yes oh yes the elusive canvas back good friend of mine that uh, gets referenced somewhat frequently at some point maybe we'll even try to reach out to Mr. Mike of Grantsburg, Wisconsin, but uh, he, I, I, when I was still avidly Facebooking, um, he would appear uh, this time of year quite a bit with things he'd pulled out of the lake on a hook, or even with a net. He was big into, like, uh, I think, did a little smelting every now and again. Hmm. Um, but that was that. If, if, if my if his posts stay fresh in my mind, it, Canvasback was his favorite favorite duck you talk about oh man i got five canvas backs this weekend you even call them cannies oh yeah five cans this weekend it's unbelievable and maybe that's maybe i'm making that up and you're breaking the limit laws i don't know but it, according to him and of course my little golden book of game birds oh yeah uh, they all they we're all in unison in saying it's a it's a fine eating duck a good table bird good table bird this is a, a wonderful bird for the table and uh, a big duck, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Canvas backs can be fairly large. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but the, the logic or the rumor behind it being that they're, they've got kind of thicker feathering and hide across the back, they're not they're yeah. kind of tough to bring down. It's not it's not an easy bird to to, huh. to, yeah. to wing, you know. Hard to hard to get them into the lake and into the waiting maw of your your bird dog. <laughs> but uh Right. I don't know. Again, I'm you know, I had a short-lived hunting tenure, and uh, not that I'm against starting again. I, I kind of enjoy it. now. I think I'd really enjoy the walks out in the fields as long, as, long as it wasn't a muddy, snow-covered affair right. like we always seem to be in. Uh, oh yes, pounds of mud hanging on your boots. But uh, you know, pheasant and grouse were what we went after. I my, I know my dad duck hunted. I've seen the photos. Him standing mm-hmm. there with five ducks in front of him. And, Sure. And his shotgun leaning against the table and getting ready to start pulling pin feathers. But uh, I just, I never did it. He had stopped doing it by the time. I think my mom, you know, topic of many an earlier broadcasting, my mom found it to be a very fatty bird and she didn't quite care for, for duck. gamey wild duck taste and all oh, yeah. the fat. Here you are, mouth-watering. Yeah. Why would I bother? I can go to the grocery store and buy a decent duck. <laughs> if I wanted it. And I don't want it. So, you know, tough times. I am reminded something I didn't bring up in the, the hunting episode of the... As a kid, uh, watching my... When my dad would come home, and uh, it was always exciting to see what he came home with if he had, you know, ducks. And and when he'd clean them, for a while there, we kept the feet. He okay. Would, he would cut off the feet, and uh, I would try to take the feet open them up and pin them to a board so that they're, you know, the webbing web foot would be like splayed flat, out. Yeah. yeah like wide. it was standing. Sure. And, uh, so I, re- I remember that. And again, my neighbor, see, I grew up with an avid crazy outdoors guy. He was a few years older than me. And, um, so he was always wearing a hunting hat. And then later I was always wearing a hunting hat and, and he would save duck feet. And sometimes they would have bands on them, you know, identification bands sure. and, so yeah, I hadn't thought about that for a while. I think I think we even had some pheasant feet too, with a big horn on the back. Oh yeah, you know, and the spur. And you bet. Spur and 
So yeah, collecting feet for a while was that's a big they, thing. That's how they uh, fight with the other males. Although get, I, get away from my hens or I'll poke your eyes out. Of course, I even, and I remember too, I think one of my dad's last, well, I, don't, I think I was early teens, 13, 12, when my dad came back and had shot something and I asked if I could keep the wings. So then you open up the wings and just like, like the feet, you'd open it up and pin it down and so it would dry and harden open like that and you put salt on the uh you know the 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 open cut part of course you bet preserve it and uh i remember keeping it down the basement for a few days and uh and then one day i went down to check it out turned it over and i was disgusted by a pile of teeming maggots (laughs) yes oh I'll, I'll never forget there that. They do what they do so well. I just kind of was turning it. What's that on my head? Get, ah! And I just, I remember just the standing back and, and just looking, throat gagging and standing <laughs> 10 feet away going, what the Father, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So there we go. It's, it's just uh, the yeah, wing. I just didn't get it at the, the time. <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> Coming back to smother you in your sleep. It is that time of year. It is. It is. But, uh, yes, indeed. Hour. I think that was the end of my saving uh, bird appendages. Bits uh, and pieces. Bits yeah. and pieces. Captain appendages. So. Indeed. And all that from an empty Schmidt can. Who'd believe it? Indeed. Without a doubt. Well, that might bring to a close this edition of the Schmidt Scenic Collection. But there's more around the corner. Many more. In fact, more than a 12-pack. Oh, boy. Well, as much as we'd like to keep gabbing, it's high time we say so long for now. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Fudd Klugman. And I'm Bjorn Lloydstead. Fudd and I are going to make another pot of joe and figure out where we're going to head with our next segment. We hope you join us next time on Cabin Country. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.